today I just want to challenge you on doubt. Some people doubted. Some people still doubt. Some people just don't understand the magnitude of the resurrection. Some people just don't understand the power of God. Some people just don't understand the power of Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question today. Are you a believer? Do you believe? Do you claim that he is the risen king? I want you to listen to this song. It's called, We Believe. Maybe you've been struggling within your own life and in your own spirit, but I'm here to tell you today that I am a believer in the resurrection. Amen? Listen closely.
Great participation. I'm glad that we have a lively church, aren't you? And if this is the first time you've come, well, we're like that all the time. That's, we love church. We love being at church. This, you know, I, I was listening to a, a pastor this past week, and um, you guys probably don't remember him, but his name is Billy Graham. And uh, probably an unfamiliar name for some people that are in here. And I'll never forget, uh, this, this really stuck out to me when I started thinking about it, because in it he said, here's the question I want to ask. If you were to walk into somebody you know, into their home, how do they greet you? How do you feel? What do you, I mean, do they look at you and give you a dead stare? Do they open the door for you or look at you and say, shut the door? Or how about this? If we come into the church, do people just stare at you? Do they think you're awkward? Because we already feel awkward, don't we? We already feel uncomfortable. But we should walk into the house of prayer, into the house of praise, into the house of worship, and feel the spirit of the living God. And when you experience that, we should make this place like our home. I like making my home warm and inviting. I like people to feel like they could stay forever. I may not want you to stay forever, but you might want to stay forever. (laughs) However, sometimes in this sanctuary, I think we feel like that, don't we? We come to church and we like the spirit. You know, and it's great. You know, this sunrise service was very moving for me. It was great to see so many people, and so many people have left, and uh, it was just powerful. But I love it because it opens up seats. We got a pl- that room's full of children, and it's great to see that they're having the time of their life. And uh, you know, it's it's just what we do as believers because we believe. I want to talk to you today as I I finish out this session and this series on life. You know, we talked about turning towards crucifixion. We talked about turning towards the cross and what distracts us. Yet today, I want to talk to you about life, an abundant life. And the resurrection Sunday morning is all about what? It's all about life, about new life, resurrected life, about an abundant life. It is not about fixing up the old, making new repairs, tweaking things here and there so that we can get by, so that we can cope, so that we can warily trudge through yet another, yet meaningless day. But church, in Christ, the old is gone and the new is here. It is removed. It is destroyed. It is obliterated kind of a hard word on a Sunday morning. And the new has come. Because here's what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21 verse 5. He said this, I am making everything new. Here's what he says. Let me read the whole thing to you. Follow with me. They who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. I want to ask you now, I'm going to ask you several times throughout this morning's message, are you alive? Are you alive? It is a trade-off. In Jesus, God makes us an offer. Give me everything you have 
and I'll give you everything you need. And I'll give you everything I have. That's simple. It really is. So let's look for a moment. What do we have? We have hurt. We have sin. Weakness and frailty. We have disease. Slavery to poor destructive choices. A limited ability. Think about this. A limited ability to love and be loved. Helplessness. Death. Spiritual, yet even physical. I don't know why God wants that, but he does. But what does he offer in return? He offers healing. He offers forgiveness, strength, health. More than anything, he offers freedom to choose the best. An unlimited ability to love and be loved. And more importantly, offers power. Life abundant and eternal. So what, is, so what do we see? The first part of the transaction takes place on the cross. Jesus took our pain and hurt. He took our sin. He took our weakness and frailty. He took our disease. He bore the consequences of all our destructive choices. He became helpless and he dies for us. He dies for all of humanity. And he dies for the world. But the second part of the transaction takes place where? It takes place at the empty tomb. Jesus conquers the pain, the hurt, and he offers healing. He conquers sin. He offers forgiveness. He conquers weakness. And he offers strength. He conquers the power of our destructive choices and offers the freedom to do what? To choose the best. He conquers helplessness, yet he offers power. He conquers death and he offers life, abundant life and eternal life. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, are you alive? Because I want to say for some of you, you don't look at this morning. I just thought I'd throw that out there. For some of you, you've lived here all week. So it's okay to feel and to look the way you do. But for some of you, you look really alive. You look the best I've seen you all day. Do you love Easter? We get the, we get the great clothes out. We get the great look on. We slick down the hair. We do all the things that that are important because we like and love the newness of Christ. Have you ever noticed this time of the year when streams and lakes start to unthaw? Now, I want you to think about this. I once noticed a stream on one side of a bridge covered with ice, blocked, stuck, not flowing freely. I've also looked down to the river on the east. And I saw clear, unstuck, freely flowing water. I was surprised. It's just a few hours earlier I had seen this river that was stuck. So on one side of the bridge, it was stuck. The ice was blocked, imprisoned. On the other side of the bridge, I noticed that it was clear. It was flowing, and it was free. 
You see, in the middle was the bridge, the cross, and the empty tomb. It's exactly the same thing. On the one side are people who are stuck. They're blocked, covered with ice, and on the other, people who are free. They're alive. And the bridge represents the transaction point. I'm going to ask you this morning, which side are you on? Which side are you on? Now, for some, I expect that there's some here, and I understand that there is skepticism. This story were not so familiar to us that Jesus died on the cross, was dead and buried, and then on the third day, what? He was resurrected from the dead. We would likely find it somewhat difficult to accept. That's okay. Because even some of Jesus' earliest followers, even some of his earliest followers, they too were skeptical. Which we're going to look at here in just a moment. They were skeptical because dead people don't come back to life. That is not how things work in this world. Dead is dead, period. We are skeptical because we perhaps haven't seen the drastic change in ourselves or in others. We think we've made the transaction and given up our stuff. but We don't feel like we've received God's part back. We are going to look at just what is life and what is newness. As many of you know, I own a janitorial custodial company. And uh, Ryan and I did this new construction cleanup job last month. And when we walked in, Ryan says, where are we? And I said, you'll see. I opened up the door and I said, this is funny. Don't wake anybody up. He goes, are you kidding me? Those are dead people. I said, yes, they're dead people. <laughs> Do you know when you see that picture where, you know, they're, they're on the, the stretch. You guys have seen movies and they're covered up with a sheet and uh, right on their toe they have a tag. Yes, that happened. And so as we're walking through there, he goes, this is really creepy. I said, stop taking a picture then. Because dead is dead. They lived a good life. They were wonderful. They were covered up, folks. I mean, I wouldn't disrespect anybody's loved one. But, you know, but we realized that life is like. And our life is but a vapor. You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. But I want you to see that some doubted. Some doubted. One of Jesus' 12 disciples is a man named Thomas. He has been labeled by history as the doubter the skeptic and here's where it comes out and let me read it to you in the the story of john chapter 20 and here's what it reads in verse 19 as we talk about the doubter on the evening of that first day that same day evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the jews jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them peace be with you When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you as the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, watch, and said to them, 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. And then he continues in verse 27. And he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. And look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We have no idea why Thomas was not present. At the first appearance, the Bible doesn't tell us. It just says he wasn't. And since he wasn't, I think Thomas is perfectly justified in not believing the other disciples. This news the disciples bring is not something to believe secondhand. And this is true of each of us also. We each have to meet the resurrected Jesus personally. Thomas's doubt is okay. All he asked for was that. Same proof. The same experience that the other disciples had. And Jesus treats it as, okay, all right, I'll do it. Jesus was not harsh and he wasn't condemning in his response to Thomas. And and when Thomas sees, he believes and he accepts and he worships and owns the faith for himself. Now in the scriptures, if you notice, the large L and the large D means it wasn't just in royalty. He was claiming who he was and he made it personal. It was possessive. And he said, my Lord and my God. Amazing how it changed immediately. And by the way, Thomas wasn't the only one that doubted. Matthew 28 tells us, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him. It says they worshipped him, but some doubted. The plural is some, not one, not two, but some. Some of you here this morning still doubt. Perhaps it's because you've only heard the reports secondhand. Through the testimonies of others, like maybe here at our New Hope for Recovery, you've heard testimonies from Trish, you've heard testimonies from Jay, you've heard my upbringing of what the influence was in my life. Maybe we all have different stories. How many of you believe that we're broken vessels, but because of Jesus, he's put us back together? Amen? That's who we are. We're just a bunch of people that come together because we want to believe, our desire is to believe. It's a great start. Many of us have had the experiences of firsthand stories. But for some of you, maybe you haven't met the risen Lord Jesus. You have not yet traded all you have for all God has. And church, I want you to know that the invitation is open today to come and meet Jesus. To open your heart. To ask God the same thing that Thomas did. To see for yourself 
The offer is life. The offer is life. Others doubt because we've made the first step. We've said the same words as Thomas did when he met Jesus. But we're looking at our lives and wondering where the drastic change is. Where the freedom is. Maybe where the power is. Where the forgiveness is. But more importantly, maybe we're looking at our life and saying, where is life? You hear me ask the question, are you alive? And your best response to me is, well, sort of, I guess. Maybe not today. Some days I feel a little bit more alive than others. If that is you, then you need to hear two things this morning. The first is difficult. And I said earlier that the trait is this. You give God everything you have, and he'll give you everything he has. The first thing that you need to hear is an honest question. Have you given God everything? Have you given God everything? Have you given God complete surrender? Have you given him complete control? You see, the way it works is this. You can't have resurrection life in the spirit unless your old spirit dies. God doesn't tidy up the old. He brings the new. And that can only come through us giving up everything. The Bible calls it this, dying to ourselves. Jesus walked through death first and defeated its power and hold over us. And he stepped into new life, an abundant life, an eternal life. And yet he stepped into what? What we celebrate today, a resurrected life. Jesus knew it. He experienced it. Until we realize that we have to die to ourselves, we can never come alive and walk in the newness of Christ. Step through that spiritual death into an abundant life. I like what Romans chapter 6 verse 5 says. It says this, For we have been united together in likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And it continues. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. If you look at your life and don't see the resurrection life of God, look a little deeper. Look a little deeper and ask yourself if you've really given God your all. Or if you are still holding on to some things. And here, I believe, is the second thing you need to hear. If you are looking at your life and wondering where God is and where the change is and you have walked through the first thing, I want you to stop and wait. Did you notice in the story about Thomas, the brief mention was this in verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. A week later, it wasn't immediate for Thomas. He said he had to wait. 
So that week, while they were all excited, and Thomas was hanging around, likely being doubtful and skeptical and yet negative. So church, listen closely. I believe we too have to wait. There's a time between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. There's a time between our belief in the victory and our experience of the victory. Did you hear what I said? There's a time between our belief in the victory and our experience of the victory. There's a time between our death to self and our resurrection life. If you have surrendered everything, then wait for God and you will know life abundant. And every time my granddaughter walks in the room, did you hear? She heard Papa's voice. Isn't that such a, that's such a great sound, isn't it? Like, Hi, Papa. Psalms 37, 3 through 10 says this, trust in the Lord. Follow with me and we'll conclude today's message. And do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. And in verse 8, it says, cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be... No more. A little while. Wait patiently for him. Not things that we are generally good at. While we wait, hold fast to the promises of God. Some of which were in the passage that as we delight in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. Now note this. That is because our delight in the Lord transforms our desires into things that God also desires. That we will enjoy safe pastures. That he will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. Even if you are not experiencing them yet, hold fast to those promises. While I wait, stand strong in obedience. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Encourage us. Let us not become wearing good and doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want you to say this with me. I'm alive. I'm alive. Are you alive? alive. Now I want you to say this. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus promises that we would have life and have it abundantly. Eternal life is just not for eternity. The hereafter. It begins now in this earthly life. And when we trade everything we have for everything God has, the trade is very real and offered by God. Do you believe? Do you believe? Are you alive? I'm going to ask you a question. Here's an important question. Here at our church, we do a lot in recovery. If you have recovered in your life and you can say, I'm alive The old is away and the new is come. I want you to stand to your feet. How many of you are in this room that can claim that today? That yes, today I am free and I'm alive. Let's praise the Lord.
Hallelujah. Come on. That's great. Amen. You may be seated. Let me say this as I conclude. We believe. We believe. We believe. And I believe that when I surrendered when I was nine years old and gave my heart to Jesus, baptized at 13, surrendered to preach at 15, started cleaning toilets. Oh, sorry. Uh, Just thought I'd put that out there. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew what my calling was. Old things. We got to bury church. If you want life in Christ, I know you've had a bad past. I know some of your stories. There's only life in the resurrected Savior. There's only life in Jesus Christ. There's only abundant life if we believe that He is risen and that He is alive and He is not dead. Now, for those that are getting baptized today, can you just rise to your feet if you would, please? We have all those that are getting baptized today. Praise the Lord. Hey. I just want you to know that we're excited for this baptism. We're excited that God is moving you and stirring you. Listen, you know what baptism is? Old things are buried. You're baptized in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. That's the new life in Jesus. Isn't that why we come to church? Isn't that why we celebrate? Isn't that why? Because we have a story to tell. You've been healed, brother. You have been healed. You've been freed. I know your testimony. I know your story. Death was knocking on your door. You experienced death. Today, Amy's... Four times. Isn't that amazing? We don't know what people go through. But I want you to know that there is life, an abundant life in Jesus Christ. For those that are getting baptized, you're more than welcome to to leave and get ready for baptism. So you are dismissed. I just want to say this. We're going to end our service with baptism today. For many of us, we're encouraged to see what God has been doing and watching them get baptized and experience this in their life. I'm, I'm excited for each and every person that has made that statement of faith. We always pray for those people. But I want us to extend our prayer beyond them. And maybe today you could say, you know what, I've not felt much alive. Maybe I've been dealing with some discouragement and I've been just down and I, I mean this is very very hard message because I need new life I need revived I need Christ if you don't know Christ today's your day of salvation come to him surrender your will to him surrender your life to him do you know people are watching you everywhere they may have seen Thomas Back when I was a a young adult, that was one of the verses that I originally memorized because I thought it was so profound that, did you see my hands? Do you see my feet? Do you see my side? 
Do you understand what I just did? Do you see I just walked through a wall into this upper room? Do you know who I am? I know some might be doubting. But I want you to know that there is a Savior. He says, don't worry about it. Don't be fearful. In John 14, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be also. See, Thomas asked him. He was a little bit doubtful. And he said in verse 5 here, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And he said this, because I'm not dead. I'm alive. Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one can go into the Father except through me. Isn't it us? Let's just praise the Lord. Church, let's make it applicable. Let's make it real. Is He a part of your life? Is the risen Savior... The Savior that is alive, powerful, and dwelling, is He real to you? Stop playing church. Be the church. Look to the person next to you and say, He's alive. Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet as we sing. I want to sing a song. It says, When I survey the wondrous cross... As we sing this song, I, for many of you, I want you to, to just surrender your life. To give your life to Him. Then we're going to have baptismal service. We'll take a few minutes. Then we'll all go our separate ways and we'll all be challenged in our own struggles. Or, we walk in this abundant life and we run... In the victories in the new abundant life. But you have to let go of your sin. You have to let go of yourself. When you let go, you let God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today thankful that, Lord, you are alive. Thankful for this resurrection service. Father, thank you for the people that have come through the doors, almost 1,000 people this weekend. God, I hope that for some doubters, they were able to experience the love of God, the love of Christ. God, I ask, there's someone in this room that's struggling. God, may they just lay it down. May they experience the new life that is offered in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for those getting baptized today. Father, I pray that you will just anoint each person as they make an outward confession of this profession that they may. May they just continue to let the world know that their commitment and obedience and dedication is for you. 
and to you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, thank you for your good life that you provide. And thank you, Father, for being with us today. Challenge us. Reshape us. Help us to be more like thee, less like us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.